Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Barbecue. Nothing personal word of the day for Monday, November 1st. It's barbecue, as in Texas-style barbecue, because the World Series will go on. Could have been a clincher last night. Thought it was a clincher for the Atlanta Braves. Grand slam in the first inning by the former Marlon Adam Duvall. Gets up, bases loaded. Can you imagine when you plan for a World Series? The World Series trophy is in the clubhouse manager's office when that team can clinch. They have all of the stuff you need for the celebration, all of the plastic to cover the lockers. They have cases of beer and champagne. The clubhouse manager has Sharpies ready to sign various items, ready to take all the bases that are used during the game because you keep those and you give some away to the owner and to some players or you auction them off for charity. You're all ready to go to celebrate the president's talking to the public government about a parade route. I know that sounds crazy, but those discussions are being had prior to winning the fourth game of a World Series. It doesn't just come together overnight. You are thinking about all the different things that are happening before the game starts. The game starts, you're at home, you hit a grand slam in the bottom of the first inning, and you get ahead of yourself. In game seven of 2003, as I recall, the Marlins took an early lead with Mark Redman on the mound, and I got ahead of myself all excited. Kerry Wood then hit a three-run homer. The Cubs came all the way back and took the lead, and then I figured that was that, and then the Marlins came back and won the game and made it to the World Series. The point is, when things happen in the first inning, if you are in the game, you recognize what Dusty Baker said after the game, which is, if bad things are going to happen, let it happen early. Sort of the opposite of life and trauma, right? If there's going to be trauma, you don't want it to happen when you're forming your life, when, you're, when your inside brain computer is being programmed. You'd prefer the trauma maybe to come later so that you have the ability to deal with it. In baseball, it's the opposite. You want everything fast. You're going to give up a grand slam? Do it early. Because the Astros are a team, as all other major league teams are, we're very aware you get 27 outs. When you're down big early, you got plenty of time to come back. It doesn't happen all the time, but you know you have the time. Right after Duvall hit that grand slam in the first inning of Game 5 of the World Series last night, my first thought was SDI. There's got to be an SDI. SDI means shutdown inning. And if you are the Braves and you've got a rookie on the mound, your opener, and you've gotten through the first inning, which they did without giving the Astros any runs. So it's 0-0 going to the bottom of the first. The Braves score four runs, you're up 4 nothing. The script of the game before you start is to see if you can get Davidson through the lineup once. 
If he retires everyone in order, that could be three innings maximum. If he can't get through the order, you do not want to let the game get out of hand. But given a 4 nothing lead, I'm going to let him start to pitch the second inning no problem at all. I'm actually happy. But you got to get a shutdown inning there. And he could not. The Astros, the professional hitting Astros, came back with two runs to answer the grand slam. And then two runs the next half inning. And before you knew it, boom, the game was tied at four. And it was still the third inning. By the bottom of the third, the game was tied at four. So that's a brand new game. It's like the grand slam didn't even happen. And one of the reasons why Dusty Baker didn't panic as manager of the Astros is these guys have been there. And the feeling that you have in the front office when you've got experience on the field, I can't describe to you how great that is. We always say to you, well, when the rookies have the ball, the young players, they don't know what's going on. They don't know where they are. So we just let them play. We basically say to you, the fan, whatever makes sense given the circumstance. So if we've got young players who do well, we just say, hey, listen, they were clueless. They didn't realize they had a win in Yankee Stadium. They didn't realize they were down 3-1, whatever the case is. If you've got veterans who come back, you say, man, these guys have done it before. They've been in the trenches. You use a lot of war analogies, which always makes me crazy. They've been in the trenches. They know that they've got 24 outs to work with down 4 nothing. No problem at all. And then if they don't come back, then you meet the media and say, hell of a season. These guys just got outplayed today by a better team. It's all the usual garbage. But what's really going on in your mind after Duval hits that grand slam and you are running the Astros or Dusty Baker or Altuve or Correa, all the people who've been there for all these postseason runs with Houston, they're thinking, man, we're not going back to Texas with Atlanta. We're going back with our heads between our legs. We're going to lose to this team 4-1. to one. God damn Darn it, dang it. But then you get a hit, you get a boop, you get a blop. It's not a boop and a blop. It's a bop and a bloop, a bloop and a bop. (laughs) Happy Monday, everybody. (sighs) What does it all mean? It means that right now, Atlanta wakes up in their own beds. It's about Monday morning at whatever time it is where you are. If you're not listening this Monday morning, then it's past that time. But they're flying to Houston today. The Astros left last night. They want to get home as quickly as possible. Either way, their charter was leaving. Whether the Astros lost the game or won the game, they were going home after the game. They checked out of their hotel. All the suitcases were on the luggage truck. The luggage truck was already at the airport before the game even ended. They're loading the luggage truck onto the plane the way luggage would be loaded in a regular commercial flight assuming you're not flying on American, where all the flights were canceled. How ridiculous. Detour here, Coca. When you're flying, don't you just want information? Instead of getting to an airport and being told, hey, the flight's delayed by an hour because of a crew issue. Oh, hey, the flight's canceled. The crew couldn't make it. Hey, get online at customer service and wait four hours, and we'll see if we can rebook you. By the way, we automatically rebooked you with reckless disregard toward when you need to actually be at your destination. Of course, that doesn't happen when you're chartering a plane because those planes never have a crew issue. They could have mechanical delays, but never a crew issue. So the Astros get on the plane last night. The Braves, people were asking me on Twitter, at David P. Sampson, by the way, uh, what do the Braves feel? 
Are they despondent? Are they nervous? And my answer is they're good. They're up 3-2 to two going to Houston with their two top pitchers ready to go in Game 6 and Game 7 in Max Fried and Wes Anderson. And I... Um, <laughs> Hello, Monday, Monday morning, DD. Wipe it. One, two, 69. The Braves are ready to go with their top two starters. They've got Max Fried going in game six and then Ian Anderson going in game seven. They went home last night after the game, got into bed after getting a bite to eat in the food room after. Went home, went to sleep, woke up this morning. All they were told at the end of the game, they had a little thing on their digital board, and then they had a little piece of paper put on their chairs, very simple, be at the airport at 10.30 a.m. Sometimes during the postseason, we would have the players park at the stadium and have everyone take the bus to the airport. Sometimes they drive to the private terminal at the airport separately. Either way, we tell them what we want. No conversation about the game. No hanging your head. It's just, hey, we got another road trip. Now, here's the interesting part. What do you tell your players when you are going up 3-2 on the road? The Marlins were up 3-2 flying from Miami to New York. What do you tell them to pack for? One game. Not two, one game. I'm not planning for a game seven. The itinerary that we hand the players has game six with when the buses leave the hotel, when batting practices, when first pitches, and then the itinerary stops. If these guys need to dry clean their clothes, they will. They'll generally, the way this works, is that the players will pack enough extra clothes because they're not handling their suitcases. They literally bring them in their car. They have to put it in their car from home, but that's it. Once they get to the airport or get to the stadium, if they're going on a team bus, there are luggage handlers who take the bags out of their cars and put them onto the plane. There are handlers who take it off the plane, into the luggage truck, to the hotel. Bell people take it off the luggage carts and then deliver it to their room. I mean, there's no fluffers or anything, but that's how it works with your luggage. Therefore, we are confident that players are going to pack extra clothes. My view of the world is I never want to plan for failure. I'm not giving you my contingency plan. I have it as the president of a team or as the chairman of an organization. You have it as a GM or as a manager. You know what you're doing for game seven. But you do not tell your players because when you are front-facing your team, you are flying to Texas for one barbecue, one game, and you're coming back with the trophy after Tuesday's Game 7. Will it work out that way? We'll wait to see. Who noticed the uh, 45th president in attendance at Game 4? Anybody? I noticed only because the former first lady looked absolutely miserable. But there's been a bunch of discussion about how the president got to the game. And I wanted to just clear it up for everyone so we understand how it works. There are different types of guests who get invited to the World Series. So when Hank Aaron is being honored before game three in Atlanta, MLB reaches out 
to Hammer and Hank's widow and to the family, and they arrange for them to be at the game, throw out a first pitch. They are invited by MLB to come be a part of a celebration. Other celebrities who are invited are people from Fox TV shows. They are given seats, and then the broadcast is told, and the cameramen are told, camera people, sorry, are told where those people are sitting. So during a game, when you see a celebrity with the name and what show they're on, it's always from the network that's showing the game. Now you have to look and see who owns what, but it's pretty clear with Fox that they're not going to have Jeff Probst in the stands and give him some airtime. So those people are invited by the studio to come to the World Series with an allotment of tickets that they get as part of their broadcast deal that has good tickets, mediocre tickets, and bad tickets. The good tickets go to celebrities and VVIPs. The next set of invitations come from the commissioner himself, and those are invitations to sit in his suite. The commissioner gets a suite, and the head of the union gets a suite. Remember, MLB takes over your ballpark when, they, when you host a postseason game. So the commissioner has a suite that's run by the commissioner and his assistant. If you want to sit in that suite, you are invited by the commissioner. I called up the commissioner for the 2000 and either 15 or 16 World Series. I wanted to go to Kansas City. Call them up. Hey, I'd like to go. Is there an extra suite ticket? Yes. They send you the suite ticket, and you can sit with the commissioner. Then there is the president of the United States. The president doesn't just come to a game. That is arranged through the White House, an acting president, it involves tremendous extra security. It involves everybody knowing in advance because you have snipers. I don't know. They're not called snipers, Coca. The ones on top of the stadium with guns making sure that everyone's safe. I don't know what they're called. I feel like it could be snipers, even though snipers to me has a negative connotation. But you've got extra security upon entering the ballpark. You've got walkthroughs that take place with Secret Service, even when you have your governor or your mayor coming to a game, they come the day before for walkthroughs. It's the advanced team. If someone has Secret Service protection, they're at your ballpark early the day before. Then they come the day of. There's certain areas where you cannot go, where the staff is told, where the players are told. We know in advance what the president is going to do at the ballpark, what room he's going to go in, where's the waiting room, where is the special room for an active president in case they need to get on the phone. Do you remember watching the 9-11 documentaries when George Bush went to that uh, great elementary school on 9-11? And there was a room, and they didn't know it was 9-11, but there was a room set up in the elementary school that the president used once 9-11 started. But that room wasn't set up just for that. That room is set up everywhere the president goes. JIC. So that has to be done at a ballpark. But a ex-president, that's not the word. I'm not sure I've used the word. The former president. When they want to go to a game, you still have secret service, you still have walkthroughs, but you don't get the setup room and all those different things. So how does Trump end up at a game? They have to call into baseball and say, I'd like to go to a game. 
It wouldn't be the actual president. It would be one of the chiefs of staff or assistants or whatever. And Major League Baseball would say, sure, of course. Here's your seat. Would you like a suite? Would you like to sit in the stands? We'd prefer you to sit in the suite for security. And we have availability in this particular suite. The 45th president actually came out and said that Rob Manford and Randy Levine had invited the president to go to the game. And that's absolutely not true. That's not what Rob Manford would do because here's a tiny little secret from inside baseball. We don't like it when presidents go to games because it annoys our fans. Sometimes you have to invite a president to throw first pitch. You just do. But the logistics involved make a lot of squeeze for very little juice. The reason Randy Levine's name got dragged into this is Randy Levine knows the president and people who work for the president, just like he knows Democratic presidents, Republic presidents. He's widely and highly connected politically. You don't want to be that, right? That's like being a notary public in your office. You know when you have to get a document notarized? Everyone says, hey, who's the notary? Oh, it's John in office four, floor 10. Ah, Christ, here he comes. Hey, can you notarize this document for me? Fine. Never become a notary if you can help it. And if you do have to become a notary for your job, don't publicize it. Even though you do get paid to notarize documents, you can charge to notarize documents, but you're not gonna charge your friends. And your friends are going to call on you all the time. Oh, I got to get this notarized, this notarized. Do you mind? Oh, no problem. Just come over. You get the big stamp. You have to sign it. What you're doing is actually guaranteeing that the person who's signing is the person. So you need ID. It's a whole Megillah. Word to the wise. Don't become a notary public. I don't even know why we're talking about notary publics. Oh, Randy Levine's connections. What does that have to do with notary publics? I have no idea. I'm moving on. I have too much I want to get to. After the break, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson because the NFL trade deadline is November 2nd at 4 p.m. If you're listening to this after November 2nd, then you're late listening and the deadline is over and you can skip the next topic. But you may not want to because it was your question anyway. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you. We just finished a record-breaking October, and that's just because of you. Do you know what else yesterday was? It was Halloween. I had fun. I had fun. I was in the studio, CBS Sports HQ, doing pre- and post-game for World Series Game 5. 
and I had my usual candy. There was no difference between yesterday and any other day. Went to the studio. I bring a Dixie cup, although it's like a coffee cup full of good and plenty and black jelly beans and hot tamales and candy corn and spice drops and, of course, nonpareils with some nuts, raisins on top of that. But it was Halloween. But I don't even associate Halloween with Halloween anymore. For the last two years, I've associated Halloween with Matthew Coca. So here we go. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. Producer. Happy birthday to you. Coca-licious. He did not get a tattoo for his birthday. October 31st, everyone wish Coca a happy birthday. So Coca told me to watch a movie for my birthday. And I did, because that's what we do. We watch movies. I watch movies every day. Coca's probably watching more movies than he ever has since he started with nothing personal. He wants to keep it going. October, you made it a record month for us. This was our 25th month, because we started October of 19, and it was the best month ever. But November's going to be even better because you keep telling your friends about us and we keep growing. You hear that, CBS? The guilty. I didn't mean to put CBS and guilty in the same sentence. Jake Gyllenhaal. Billy Crystal's son from City Slickers. Heath Ledger's lover from Brokeback Mountain. Jake Gyllenhaal's in a new movie called The Guilty. Why it's called The Guilty? It's not a crime movie. He's not a prisoner. He's a policeman. He's a 9-11 dispatch operator. The entire movie is Jake Gyllenhaal wearing a headset. 9-11 dispatch. What is your location? I, I don't know, but send help, okay? Where are you? I'm seeing that you're on the corner of 7th and Gimmel. I don't know where I am, but I need help right now. What kind of help do you need? Are you in a van? Have you been kidnapped? What kind of trouble? Are you bleeding? I'm not making light of this. I'm just telling you, it's an entire movie where you are looking at a broken man, Jake Gyllenhaal, trying to help people, but ends up hurting people, not helping, maybe helping, sort of hurting, saving, not saving. Well, I'm here to save you. The guilty is guilty of only one thing, being a terrible movie. Skip it. You're welcome. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's a segment that we do. It's from the movie called Half-Baked. If you're new to Nothing Personal and judge you by the October numbers, many of you are new to Nothing Personal. If you're old, then just smile along. Go watch the movie Half-Baked. If you can be 15 sixteenths baked while you do it, even better. If you can only be a quarter baked, that's fine. The sweet spot may be half baked. Nah, it's really full baked. There's a character named Samson. Everyone wants to talk to him because they want to get the flower. But you get on Twitter at David P. Samson, get into my public mentions, and I'll get to as many questions as I can. I respond to many of you as quickly as I can. Sometimes I can't get to everyone, most times. And then ask a question. And if it's timely, it may make the show. Hello, David. 
Hello. I like when questions start with that. It's just, hello. Nice to see you. It's now time to decide. Will the Texans trade Deshaun Watson? Well, thanks for asking. This may become the most stale segment ever because we're going to release this on November 1st, and he may be traded by the time this segment airs. But I've got an answer for you. No, Deshaun Watson will not be traded. Now, we've gone back and forth. The Dolphins apparently have a deal for three first-rounders, three second-rounders. They are hitting the bid. The Texans want that haul back as though Watson is the fifth-best quarterback, fourth or third-best quarterback in football, which he is when he plays, which he hasn't all season. We're not in week one or two anymore. We are done now with week eight. Two months of the season have passed. The NFL has not decided what they're going to do with Watson in the 22 civil lawsuits he has against him. How long his suspension will be? Anywhere from four games to 17 games. The district attorney's office has not decided whether or not they're going to press charges. So that's hanging over Deshaun Watson. How do you expect any team to trade for Deshaun Watson? No matter how crappy the Dolphins are, and believe me, they're the worst of the worst. They need a quarterback terribly unless you believe in Tua and think that they need a better offensive line. Unless you believe in the offensive line and think they need a better defense. Unless you believe in the defense and think they need a better GM. Unless you believe in the GM and think they ought to try another coach. Whatever your case may be, the Dolphins along with 25 other teams, would get better with Deshaun Watson as quarterback. But you're not getting better if he's not playing for you. Do you trade all that draft capital with the unknown that Roger Goodell made very clear? We don't know what's going to happen to Watson. We don't have any idea what his suspension will be because we haven't finished the investigation because the DA hasn't finished deciding whether they're going to press charges. Given that level of uncertainty, who would ever trade for him? Trust me, folks. I've run a team. I'm not flexing. I'm just telling you I've run a team. There's one thing that we try to avoid. One word. (laughs) Yes, two words. We try to avoid felons. No doubt about that. We also try to avoid uncertainty. There's so little we can control once the puck drops that we try to be unbelievably overpowering in terms of the control we want prior to the game starting. That's why we care so much about checking medical of players, why we try to do our research to understand what kind of person the player is, why we try to figure out will a player fit into the clubhouse both on the field and off the field. Think about the player's personal life. We dig into everything. We're looking at the player's social media. We're just trying our best to minimize the risk associated with the acquisition of talent. Deshaun Watson's risks are out there for all to see. There is no owner or GM who'd be willing to bite off that huge chunk of Watson prior to getting any amount of certainty. And they tried with Goodell. Believe me, they did. But it wasn't enough because Goodell did not give a firm answer. And side note, I wouldn't even take Goodell at his word. 
I want it done. Oh, don't worry, Steve Ross. I think we're looking at about a four-game suspension. Really, Raj? Can I get that in writing? As a matter of fact, why don't you suspend him for four games as a member of the Texans right now? And we will trade for him, and he will serve the rest of his suspension as a Dolphin. Don't give me the, oh, that's what I think's happening. So it is time to decide if they're going to trade him. And the Texans, from their standpoint, why would they ever trade a asset at the low? You can't do it. One of the sure ways to have a losing franchise is to buy high and sell low. A lot of teams do it. Think about the Tampa Bay Rays. They're the opposite. They buy low and sell high. Think about your investments. Isn't that the goal? You're never going to buy at the lowest point. You're never going to sell at the highest point, but it's generally your goal to buy low and sell high. You think Watson is at his high? He's not even at his medium. The Texans will only trade him as though he's at his highest, highest, but other teams cannot pay for him as though he is. That's why there is a difference of opinion between the teams, and when there's a difference of opinion, that's why trades don't happen. So will the trade happen? No, it will not. You know, it will happen, though, as sure as night follows day. I was waiting for the article. We talked last week about the Blackhawks scandal in hockey. We talked a lot about Kyle Beach and the absolute bravery he had a show for naming himself as the player who got assaulted by a coach during the Stanley Cup season of 2010. That cost Quenville his job in Florida, his career for certain. Did not cost the GM in Winnipeg his job, which is shocking. The GM was just allowed to skate. Hey, I was there, but I was very low on the totem pole. I never liked that excuse. In our front office, our assistant GM was just as involved as our GM. Equal culpability for good trades, bad trades, good signings, bad signings. It is impossible that something would be going on that the AGM didn't know about, but it is what it is. The Winnipeg guy skated. What bothered me when I read this weekend is that Gary Bettman and Donald Fear, Gary Bettman is the commissioner of hockey, and Donald Fear is the former head of the Major League Baseball Players Association. He now is the head of the National Hockey League Players Association. They put it out there that they had a meeting, each of them, with Kyle Beach. And all I kept thinking is what a bunch of eyewash. Now the commissioner of hockey is interested in letting you know that he has such grave concern for the well-being of Kyle Beach and other players. All of the different quotes that we're seeing are about making sure that hockey is a safe space for kids and players. Safe space is what you use when there's pedophilia or abuse or assault and you have arrested someone or kicked someone out of the club, the priests always say, we want to make it a safe space for the little boys. How does that go? Good? Creating that safe space? Is that what you're doing in hockey now? Gymnastics? Boom. You get rid of Nasser, it's a safe space. You get rid of the video coach for the Blackhawks, zippy kaye. It's a safe space. Isn't it, wouldn't it be nice if Batman and Fear did their Zoom meetings without having to use it as PR, as though they actually gave a crap about Kyle Beach? 
believe me, as someone who was an executive for so long, who did plenty of things because it was the thing that had to be done, it may have been the right thing to do, but if it didn't have to be done, I may not have done it. There is no scenario under which Bettman and Fear could not speak to Kyle Beach, but there's also no scenario under which they couldn't let us know. Some of the best things are supposed to be done privately, but not when you have been having such PR hits that you have no choice, no choice, but to flex the things you're doing that are simply covering up the mistakes you made and then doing it as though how great you are to have done it in the first place. You know what would have been great in the first place? Is to have gotten rid of that coach in 2010 the minute Kyle Beach came forward that he was being abused. That would have been the time to do it. But no, we don't want the distraction during the playoffs. Can't be. Nothing personal pick of the day. Uh, We swept the weekend, folks. We gave you a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday pick. We won them all. Three different sports. Baseball. We told you the Braves would beat the Astros Friday. Victory. We told you that Jim Harbaugh stinks, can't beat a raked opponent, can't win a big game, yet for whatever reason was giving four points to Michigan State. Horse hockey. We knew Michigan State would win the game straight up. They did. And then yesterday was the biggest gimme of them all. Maybe someone someday can explain to me how Urban Oscar Meyer only got three and a half points from the Seattle Seahawks when Pete Carroll's job may have been in jeopardy. Blowout. 3-0. and We're back to 143 and 126, 17 games over. It's been a while. Trying to get back to the 20-over mark, and we've got a very easy game tonight. Monday Night Football, it's an off day in the World Series. Game six is tomorrow. Tomorrow. I love you. Tomorrow. But tonight, the Chiefs will crush the Giants. The Chiefs, not even in the playoffs, being left for dead. Patrick Mahomes, you stink. Daniel Jones is playing great. The Chiefs are only giving 10 points to the Giants? I think we should make that 20. Chiefs minus 20 over the Giants. We're taking the Chiefs. Nothing personal pick of the day. All right. I want to get into an explanation of something that happened in football and something that was a uh, mentioned over the weekend. There was a question about John Gruden. John Gruden is the coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, the ex-coach. A few weeks ago, he was forced to resign, as you may recall, because of the investigation into the Washington football skins and Daniel and Tanya Snyder and their reign of harassment, terror, and nudity. And these emails that came out apparently also had John Gruden, who was working as a broadcaster at the time, as being some sort of misogynistic homophobe or whatever whatever he was. And he was forced to resign. There was a payment severance negotiated. See you later. Problem done. According to Roger Goodell, we're done. There's nothing else to see here. Emails with our general counsel, Jeff Pash. Ah, don't worry. We're good. The other 648,527 emails, not a problem. We're good. Word then came out, John Gruden is considering suing the NFL. So there's something I want to talk to you about that's called scorched earth. Scorched earth is when you are in a position where you have been in an industry 
and you are never going to be in that industry again, and you have been wronged, and you are going to make it right by doing anything you have to do, by burning every bridge possible. Now, some of you may be smiling on the other side of that camera and saying that sounds a little like you, Samson. 18 years as president, now you have this podcast, YouTube channel. You're giving us a lot of insight insight into sports, a lot of honesty, no BS. Are you going scorched earth? No, I'm definitely not going scorched earth. When I tell you things that are happening with the commissioner and things that he may not want you to know or when I'm analyzing a statement that's happening, when I tell you what goes on in front offices, when I give you that piece of truth and that piece of info to arm you with information, that's not scorched earth. Scorched earth would be if I wrote a tell-all book about me and everything else that I did and saw during 18 years as a team president. Scorched earth would be if I told you the truth about different owners and things that they had done, different players, different experiences. That's what scorched earth is. John Gruden going scorched earth would be going into his server, getting a bunch of other emails that implicate a bunch of other people and leaking them to the press, not as part of the WFT investigation, but as part of his own it wasn't just me journey. Very often when people are singled out, we used to call it and we do call it on this show a fall guy. I think I tweeted about Lee Majors and Heather Thomas and Coca got angry. It's like no one knows who Heather Thomas is and I said it doesn't matter. I know who Heather Thomas is. I've watched BJ and the Bear. When you have something on someone and for no other reason than you want to bring people down with you, you do something, that is what scorched earth is. It's bringing down someone who doesn't need to be brought down for any other reason other than your desire to bring that person down because you feel as though misery loves company. Suing the NFL is a much smaller degree of scorched earth. You don't want to do it. We explained to you last week why Cranky, Officer Cranky, the owner of the Rams, is not going to sue the NFL over the legal fees and the indemnification over that lawsuit because of documents that he signed that said he wouldn't. John Gruden did not sign any documents saying that he won't sue the NFL unless his severance agreement actually releases the NFL from any lawsuit, releases the Raiders. When we do severance agreements with employees who we have fired, but we are gonna pay out, we make them sign this agreement and included in the agreement is a very long release. What a release says is in return for getting this severance agreement, for getting this money, you will not sue me, the owner, the organization, anyone associated with us, for any reason, at any time, from now until the end of time. If you don't agree to that, no problem, no severance. Your choice. It is very likely when John Gruden made his deal with Mark Davis and got paid off on the majority of the contract that he had left, which was in the tens of millions of dollars, it is extremely likely that part of that agreement 
included such a release. Therefore, John Gruden, even if he wanted to, is not able to sue the NFL or the Raiders or Daniel Snyder or Tanya Snyder or Bruce Allen or anybody because the release is going to be so broad because the NFL was so worried. They're not letting Daniel Snyder or Mark Davis do any sort of agreement with anybody without such a release because the NFL is in the protection business. They protect themselves above all else. It is the institution above all else, and the institution is made up of the owners of the franchises of that institution. Coaches, GMs, players, they come and go. Owners are protected. And if you can legally protect them, which you can, you're going to do. So the rumors that you're seeing about Gruden, not true. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And if it does happen, we'll tell you. We'll revisit it. If it doesn't happen, we'll revisit it too. The way to see is John Gruden, no matter what's rumored, will not be suing the NFL. Much like, might I add, Kyle Seeger will not be back with the Seattle Mariners. Now, why is that even noteworthy? Kyle Seeger is a player for the Mariners who had a team option for 2022. Very long-standing player for a team that has not made the playoffs since 2001. Very good player. He had a $20 million option for 2022, and his name was in the news yesterday because Kyle Seeger was sent an email by the assistant general manager that his option is not going to be picked up, and instead, the Mariners are going to buy out his contract. So the discussion and decision that's made by the team is, if we have to give you a $20 million option, that means if we pick up your option, you have a contract for 22, it's guaranteed at $20 million. If we end your contract, it's going to cost us, and that's called the buyout. Let's say the buyout is $2 million. So it's really an $18 million decision that we make because we either have $2 million on the books for Kyle Seeger or $20 million. That's a difference of $18 million. So is Kyle Seeger worth $18 million of our payroll? If you've got a payroll of $150 to $180 million, Kyle Seeger's worth about 10% of your payroll, no more than that. But if your payroll is going to be below that, Seeger's not worth it. You're going to spend the $2 million, buy him out, and he's done. Mariners fans were very upset on the inter-Google and in the Twitterverse. How could you be so cold as to email the player? So let me explain to you how a contract works in baseball. When there is a option that comes with a buyout, you don't just take someone's word for it when somebody calls you and says, hey, we're not picking up your option, we'll send you a $2 million check. And then that's the end of it. You call up the finance department, hey, cut me $2 million for Seeger, send it. There has to be an official writing at a specific time that is described in writing in the contract where the team has to inform the player in writing 
whether it will be picking up the option or declining the option and exercising the buyout clause. It has to be done in writing. Believe me, I'm sensitive to it as I got a text alert that I got fired by Jeter. So I understand that having a personal touch is nice. Do you think Kyle Seeger knew that his option wasn't going to be picked up when they pulled him in the ninth inning of the final game of the regular season at Safeco and he got a standing ovation from the fans and his teammates? Was that a clue? Doesn't matter even if it had been a clue because the buyout is not officially exercised until the writing. But that was only half of the story that interested me. In that article, it was described (laughs) that Jerry DePoto, the president of baseball operations for the Seattle Mariners, who has been in that position through the entirety of Kyle Seeger's career, has apparently not spoken to Kyle Seeger, wait for it, in four years. Horse hockey. There is zero chance that Jerry DePoto has not said a word to Kyle Seeger in four years. It may only be a hello or a wave. It's possible they haven't had a meeting. It's possible they haven't broken bread. It's possible they haven't sat together on the team plane. It's possible he hasn't gone to his clubhouse, to his locker in the clubhouse. It's possible that Kyle Seeger hasn't gone upstairs to the front office and sat with Jerry DePoto. All of that is possible. It is impossible that there have been zero words between the two of them in four years. Now, I'm being literal, but that is a problem. As president of the team, if my GM and my star player are enemies in that way, it's become personal. And when something becomes personal, by definition, you will not get the most out of either of the people who are involved in their personal issue. Now they'll tell you, no, I'm a professional. I take every at bat as though everything's fine. Jerry DePoto says, I'm good. I run this team like I have a good relationship with everyone and it does not in any way impact my decision making. Are you sure about that? How many times have we seen people make decisions that are based on emotion? How many times have we talked about that? in 475 episodes. Jerry, you can do better. See you later, Kyle. Ah, it's just business. This hasn't been nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.